I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines on a big Friday. We got two big games coming up this weekend. Game number one, Chiefs-Bengals. Line is seven and a half in many spots. It's up from yesterday. It was a little over seven. Now it's closer to seven and a half. Game number two, Rams 49ers. There's been some Rams money. It's up to three and a half pretty much everywhere. Rams favored. And looking towards next year, we've got the odds on where will Devontae Adams play. Well, next season, Denver Broncos are the second favorite behind the Green Bay Packers. Wait a minute. Isn't that where Aaron Rodgers might be going? Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it, I'm RJ live in Las Vegas, live on a big conference championship week, Friday, Pick Palooza edition, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. How you feeling, AJ? Feel all right. You feeling man. ready to go? I'm ready. I'm I am at a fever pitch of acumen, of insight. I just want to make sure if you want me to tamp it down so you, I don't look like great. I will. I mean, Please. It, it would yeah, make, just a little. It would make 225 <laughs> stations worth of people though be less knowledgeable for the game. I can't worry about them. Hmm. <laughs> Sports betters listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. I won't do it. I don't care that he's the fan that beats the man, AJ Hoff. Uh, thank you, RJ. Great to be here on a day where money has come in on both favorites in the conference championship games. The Broncos hiring is affecting odds in multiple markets, as you mentioned. And let's do this. We know where we're starting. The Vegas right. League will be these two games. We're going to go in rotation order. First game first. But let's start by doing an overview of the market. So, give us yesterday's line and today's line in each of the games. Yesterday, the Bengals were 7.1 dogs. Today, right. they're 7.2. So, just oh, there's 7.5 pipping. Yeah. More. It feels like, man, let's look here. Alright, so let's let's teach a little bit. Now, by the way, within five minutes, we're going to give you an early pick on this game that both AJ and I agree with. We don't agree with a lot, but we're agreeing on this one. And I think the public, it's a public side, a public bet I think you're going to like. Because let's be honest, most professionals bet games that aren't as fun. Oh, the under. Oh, but then the squares, they like to bet overs and they like to bet the favorites. You know what I'm talking about. Me and Barney. Yeah. We got an over here that I think, well, I know you're going to like. I think strongly it's the right side. That's within five minutes. Let's talk about three and seven. Almost like, uh, you know, like on Sesame Street, there was the alphabet, like the story of the letter Q. Let's talk about three and seven when it comes to football. Those are the most key numbers in football. Now, what does key mean? Key means of significance. Now, what is the significance? Is how often does a margin of victory end in three? How often does it end in seven? 
Well, three is the most common margin of victory, and seven is the second most common. Why? Well, because field goals are three and touchdowns are seven. These are, that's the common scoring. Now, over the recent years, since they extended the two or the um, extra point to 35 yards, is it 35 or 37? I think it's 35. 35, 35 yards. And now that there's so many more teams going for two in other situations where historically they haven't, three and seven is a little less valuable because there's more unusual scores at the end of games, but they're still the most valuable. Now, how much is three worth? Three is worth about 20 cents. So let me give you an example. If I lay three minus 130, so I'm paying the favorite minus three minus 130, or I lay three and a half minus 110, that's effectively the same. Now, it's not the same as in, in one, you're going to push on three, the other, you're going to win on three if you have the dog or if you have the favorite, vice versa. But it's the same value-wise. Three's worth about 20 cents. Okay. How much is seven worth? About eh, maybe 11, but we're going to call it 10 cents. So if you see seven minus 110 or seven and a half minus 100 or plus money, and maybe we'll, the better example would be if you see seven minus 120 or seven and a half minus 110, well, let's think. You're laying an extra half point and it's costing you, though, 10 less cents. How much is seven worth 10 cents? Oh, it's the same. So, as we said, three minus 110, three and a half minus 130 is, uh, or I'd be flipped, <laughs> seven minus 130 or seven and a half minus 110. You know something? I, I've never done three and seven at the same time, and I think it might have been a mistake. So, here's what I'm going to do <laughs> I'm going to take a, I'm going to get a, a, a wait. We have a caller calling in, critiquing my performance so far. One second. Let's see what they say. Okay. I think that's justified. All right. So what we're going to do to wrap here. See, you got me thinking, how can I make AJ look good? I I knew that's what you were doing. You did it. Yeah. Thank you, man. Here's the the easy part. All right. We're going to just do three, then seven, in about 10 seconds each. All right. Three is worth 20 cents. So if you lay more you have in the point spread, you're going to lay less on the money line, thus laying less, let's say minus one or minus three, it would be commensurate with minus one thirty. Or if it was three and a half, it'd be minus 110. Okay, that worked. I got that one. Now, on seven, it's the same concept, except it's only worth 10 cents. So if you lay seven minus 120 would be the same as seven and a half minus 110. Now, you might think, RJ, there's too many numbers. Yeah, but if you got more than one out, well, one, it should have been done better than that. But two, if you have more than one out... You're going to be faced probably with a choice of either laying seven with a certain VIG or laying seven and a half with another VIG. And if one is 12 cents difference, you're going to know what to do. And over the long run, that pain of the last two or three minutes will be worth it because you will probably save a penny here, a penny there, which adds up. Does that conceptually make sense? It does. And we've got these numbers on the board from different books right now. Would you say that, and I don't want to call out any names, would you say that top book is overpriced compared to the others? So the Westgate is minus seven, minus 120. Circa is minus seven, minus 15. So they're obviously the minus 15 is better, right? 
Now it's seven and a half minus one oh five at Bet Online. So what we're saying there is, if compared to the best seven, it's about ten. It's ten cents cheaper, but you got to lay an extra half point. Well, since it's worth ten, those two are commensurate. And Except you ha- the Westgate. Yeah. So the Westgate is the one that is not attractive, but that's obvious because there's two sevens and one's minus one fifteen, one's minus one twenty. But if the choice was, and this is a perfect example right now at these four books, you'd have a choice between minus seven, minus one fifteen on KC, or minus seven and a half, minus one oh five. Well, how much is seven worth? Ten cents. What's the difference? Half point plus ten cents. It means they're equal. Now, in general, I think psychologically, you lay the seven minus one fifteen because it takes a real professional, and I'm not even there. I did, so I'm not sure it exists, that you can lose a game because you wanted to save a dime of VIG and it falls seven and you lose instead of push. The idea of just saying, yep, it's going to make it, it's going to work out in the long run. Well, it doesn't even need to work out in the long run because I didn't have any extra value. So, in a weird way, I think the tiebreaker is take them, if it's exactly the same mathematically, seven and a half in this case, minus 105 or seven minus 115. Take the one that you can't have the loss to gain a little VIG. Because when you gain that VIG, there's no psychological positive to it. It's like, yeah, I lost, but still, I only got to pay 105. But when you lose because you took the worst number, it's emotionally tough. And what about the inverse of that, if you were interested in the Bengals? So with the Bengals, what we would do, it's still the same dime, Mm -hmm. right? But it's going to be on the take-back price, right? So we look at the take-back side. But those are always going to be lined up because the straddle is going to be 20 cents in between. And I think, again, avoid the disaster if all things are equal, because the disaster is something that could send you on tilt and no one wants to be on tilt. But in this case, this, uh, with the Bengals, the disaster is a push rather than a win. So do, would you prefer well, to so get the seven and a half? Between, yeah. In general, I take the seven and a half because if I felt like I could have won, I mean, it's a relative disaster, but pushing <laughs> a game you could have won is not fun. Right. Right. And the edge that you have that extra 10 cents or whatever, it it matters, but emotionally it doesn't matter. So I'm not saying take the worst of the number. I'm saying if there's an 8 cents difference, then 10's more than that. So accept that you might have a quote-unquote disaster, but in the long run it will make a big difference. But if it's tied then I think avoid the disaster. Yeah, and the only reason this is being discussed is because all week long this number was seven until the last two days, and now you've got to make a decision. The choice is between seven and seven and a half. And same thing, though, in Rams 49ers, all week the choice has effectively been between three and three and a half. Yes. So this is a time to talk about this. Just ideally it would have been a little smoother. But I blame you. I don't uh, want to make a big deal about it. No big deal. I'm R.J. Bell. <laughs> We're straight out of Vegas. The perpetrator, the culprit, A.J. <laughs> Hoffman joins. Okay, let's talk about our first... First bat here. We're giving it to him early. I like, and you like this too. It's yep. not a coincidence, I don't think. Is we like over the team total, Kansas City, and that number is 31. Mackenzie, can you check the latest on that to confirm? Yeah. Okay. Now, what's the team total? It's simply how many points Kansas City puts on the board. All right. They can win, they can lose, they could win 29 nothing. And you're going to lose your team total over 31, even though they dominated the game. Or they could lose 74 to 32, but your 32 is over 31. So this is just about Kansas City's offense against Cincy's defense. Now, if there is a pick six or something, it counts. So, you know, so obviously that's part of the scoring. But for the most part, the handicap is the KC offense versus the Cincy D. 
Let's start with, and you can pick either side of the ball, AJ. Why do you like this over 31 team total Kansas City? I'll go with the Cincy D because the pass defense was a bottom 10 in the league in DVOA and YPP. But so hidden, YPP is yards, yards per, per play. play. Yep, and hidden in that is the fact that they've played a ton of really bad quarterbacks this season. Baker Mayfield, who was obviously bottom five in QBR this year. Case Keenum, Justin Fields in his first game, so before he had his resurgence late. Trevor Lawrence, Jared Goff, Drew Locke, Ben Roethlisberger twice, and Josh Johnson twice for two different teams, if you can believe that. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, it's one thing if a guy has a name and you go against him twice, but a, like this, <laughs> a guy with this generic name, like is it the same Johns? Uh, jo- what's his name again? Josh Johnson. Is it the same Josh Johnson? I don't know. And you know what? It doesn't matter. And they had three games this year against elite quarterbacks, Mahomes, Rodgers, and Herbert. Let's slow down. So how many games was there against these? Because there's some quarterbacks that's in the middle, right? We can debate who's where. But these are clearly bad quarterbacks. And how many were there? Ten. And what was the net effect of those games? I mean, they they had some success in those games defensively. But the net is they played the bottom of the barrel quarterbacks. So, So it's one thing to look at strength of schedule, right? That's level one. Level two is strength of schedule, offense versus defense and vice versa, which can be different, right? If you play, let's say, Steelers, their defense was pretty good this year. Their offense was horrible. So you got to try to split it up to offense versus defense when it comes to strength of schedule. But then there's another level. Strength of schedule involves the team over the course of the season. How good were they? But the real question is, how good was that team versus you? So let's give an example versus the team you're looking at. Kansas City, they played the Green Bay Packers. How good is the Green Bay offense? Hell, top five in the league. But on that day they played Green Bay, a little Mr. Aaron Rodgers wasn't in the game. So how do you account for that? You've got to try to quantify what was the truth of the team they played on the day they played them. Right, John Johnson played in two different places, right? <laughs> but he's bad in both. So I think it's very fair to say those ten quarterbacks that Cincy's defensive face are about as bad as any ten you're going to run across. Which means they probably had a easy strength of schedule. Their defense did against opposing offenses even more than maybe the stats would say because of the backup quarterbacks. And the stats aren't great. That's a good point. Now let's look at against the really good quarterbacks. Who fall? Now this is Cincy's D. Who falls in that category? Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert. And what is that? What's that combined into? The average line for those quarterbacks: twenty-six for thirty-five, three hundred and five yards per game, nine touchdowns to one pick in those three games. Okay, so not good for the defense. <laughs> We got Patrick Mahomes here. So we you know, we got apples to apples. He did mighty well in the game. Now, I know since he came back, but that was about the Cincy offense. And let's give him credit. Let's give Burrow credit. And the defense loses. Is it on a Gawkway? On a Gawkway. Yeah. That, on was, Gawkway. that wasn't bad. Thank you. Yeah. Now, I'm saying what I did. Oh, was yeah. Right. Yours was good. You're yeah. the professional broadcaster. That's the given. If you're I think d- we're both in that category. Well, maybe. But, but I try to lower <laughs> expectations. Okay. <laughs> Every day I try that. So here. <laughs> So here's what we'll say. He's key. And to me, when you got, um, what was is it Hendrickson? The guy who's Hendrickson, ba- yep. he's banged up. He's playing, though. He's a he's full guy. But what I'm saying is he's probably less than 100%. You got a key player out. It's not like the Cincy defense was hurt and now they're better. You'd make the case it's a little vice versa, right? Now, here's something else. And we talked about this yesterday, but it bears repeating. Is Kansas City in pregame warm ups to the game against Cincy? 
they had Brown, the, the tackle they traded for from Baltimore, hurt himself in pregame warm-ups. So it's one thing to have a key lineman out in the game. It's another thing to prep all week, think you got him fine, and he, at the last minute, can't play even one down. So for that offense to do as well as they did in that game, with that absence, I think means even more. And it's a good segue to the Kansas City side of the ball. Do you have anything else on Cincy's day? No. Okay. Is If we look at the season stats, Kansas City's offense is good, but they're not as good as they've been at various points, or let's say various other seasons. I would say across the season, KC had more troubles in offense this year than last year and the year before. Okay, so why bet them over? If you look at this team, after they kind of figured out how to handle that soft defense, you heard us talk about it four or five times this year, the two high safeties, the soft shell, it's make them beat you with a bunch of seven-yard plays instead of the big plays is how Kansas City has been defended this year. Now, how is it that Kansas City adjusted to it? Well, initially, they really didn't do well. And they had a bad run. And McKenzie, see if you can pop those numbers up if we have them from the EPA accumulation that we had talked about. So expected points, do you have that at your fingertips? Yeah, so the first 12 games, Mahomes was plus six total EPA per game. So do me a favor, just throw them up and I'll, and I'll present, because I want to explain EPA real quick. Is EPA is expected points added. It's something the NFL works with some analytics guys and say, based upon that play, how did it add to the chance of scoring? So a really big play, it might be worth you know five or six points. Like a 99-yard run from the one-yard line, that is like maybe a point, almost uh, six points of value because the theory is well if you're on the one yard line the other way you think that's a touchdown that's worth a bunch of points but really the work was done leading up to get into the one yard line right so that's a tiny amount so it really matters how much it matters how um, yeah make that just a little bigger please like so it's actually readable is um, the question <laughs> he's got it like if I had 2015 vision <laughs> there's zero chance that I could have seen that <laughs> that's McKenzie everyone one. All right, I'm RJ. Now, if you think about it, EPA is a stat that you hear all the time, and it's very respected. Now, how much EPA does a certain player accumulate over time? And what we have here is in the games in which, and what number do we, let's go by just saying above or below the number, it looks like 14, so or 13.6. All right, so in the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, in the last seven games, that Kansas City has played, Mahomes' EPA has been 13 points or more that his performance generated. Now, you might say, well, how does that compare? In the prior one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games, only twice was he over 13. So, 13 might not mean a lot to you, but just think, there's some measure of efficiency that Mahomes has accomplished one, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight games. And then in the prior eight, he only did it twice. So, if we accept the fact that EPA is good, and that is not debatable, 
is that Mahomes has had in the last seven or so games the best run of his career, right up there with any time during his career, when he had the worst run of his career, like the prior eight games before that. Yeah, and coming off the best game of his season against Buffalo, 28, over 28 expected points added. So this is an example of... If you take the season stats, which I generally like, because you can make an excuse, oh, that's when he had the hangnail, so eliminate that game. Or that's when the wind was 12 miles an hour, eliminate that game. It's too easy to fool yourself. But if you have a situation where they come into the year, like Kansas City did, with all these expectations, they play okay for a while, then have a half a season stretch. It's the worst anyone's ever seen from this team. And you hear about the defensive changes that were made that's causing them trouble. Then you see them make an adjustment, and the next six or seven games are so much better. You're probably being pretty safe saying the whole season isn't the story, it's the most recent games. And if so, this Kansas City offense is better than any offense they've had during the Mahomes era. Thoughts? Yeah, I think there's no doubt. And it certainly, there was that time during the middle of the season where we said, what is wrong with this team? Whatever was wrong with them then has been figured out. And I think it's fair to say the defense is better than we expected. Because they were horrible at the beginning of the year. They got kind of good, but that was a little deceiving. Now they've gotten not so horrible, I think it's fair to say. Which I think is why the sharp money is on the Chiefs here, uh, generally, with the game. But now that it's above seven, it's hard for me to play. One more thing that makes me like this over is the referee crew. Bill Vinovich is the head referee. Those the least flags of anybody in the league, any crew in the league. And obviously, it's a hybrid crew. But the one thing that he's the lowest at is holding calls. Just doesn't call holding, which is great for offenses. That's a great point. So our early best bet here, early in the show, is over Kansas City's team total. Now, it's noteworthy to say yesterday and the day before, we told you if you like Kansas City, bad, it's going up. Well, it has gone up. But when we come back, we'll take our first break. We're going to finish up the handicap on the KC and tell you what we like on the side of that game and the game total. Then we shift out to the NFC in that battle. Six straight from Shanahan will continue. And he's RJ Bell. I'm AJ Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. If you speak out against the world. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas, and we go to Los Angeles with breaking news with Mr. Dan Byer. Breaking news from Fox Sports. It appears another head coaching vacancy of the NFL has been filled. Jay Glazer of Fox Sports and the NFL Network reporting the New York Giants are finalizing a deal to make Bill's offensive coordinator, Brian Dable, the new head coach of the G-Men. Back to you guys. Thank you, Dan. Wow. So, you as a Bills fan, are you sad? Oh, we're losing our OC. It's not ideal. The with Bills it. suck. Okay. They're losers. They can't. They don't know how to win. Think okay. about it. All those Super Bowls, they couldn't win one, and now this was maybe the worst, the most heartbreaking loss in the playoffs. I think the worst thing that could have happened is you found out I was a Bills fan. Because <laughs> now I think like you suddenly have this vitriol for them that I never noticed before. I know, because before I thought it was so irrational how you liked the Bills 
was handicapping wise in spots that made like after the Steeler game where they got yep. dominated. Dominated. You're like, I thought they should have won that game. And I looked at you, and it took me like ten minutes to calculate what the hell was going on. I just figured he can't handicap. Now I find out it was good news. Actually, you can. It's just you were biased because <laughs> that, it was that your may team. have been it. And this is an opportunity for another guy from the Belichick tree to have success coaching in the NFL. Well, you know, that's the thing is uh, or not success. If anything, here's what's interesting. If your tree has success or it doesn't, what does it say about you? Meaning, you can make the case if a tree doesn't have success that the gene, that the secret ingredient is only something you have. Does it not make you more valuable? I, yeah, I would say yeah. So that if anything, you're saying Belichick's even more unique and rare and yes. power. But then it means you're not necessarily a great teacher, does it? Like it, there has to be a downside to it because when someone has a great tree, it's supposedly they cultivate coaching and they cultivate guys that can grow. I don't know. What, I, I think don't... it's hard to to when you when you've got a head coach like Belichick and he also worked for Nick Saban. Like you want to gather as much as you can, but also I think when you're 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 trying to do your own job and not screw up because you don't want those guys to be upset with you. Maybe you're not soaking things in the right way. But I also think you're right. It's it, guys like Belichick are so rare. You're never going to live up to that. But here's the other thing, though. Elite, and I say this not in 100 percent seriousness. People who have to worry about not screwing up aren't supposed to be there anyway. People who, are, if they do a, their best job, it's going to be embraced as a good job. It might not be perfect. There might be things that people have to, the boss has to say, what about this? What about this? But net-net, if you're good enough for a job, you're going to be doing a good job most of the time. Now, if you're not good enough, maybe it's you. Maybe it's, the, it's not a good fit. Maybe there's just a clash of personalities. I'm not saying everyone that fails at a job is somehow lacking or less than. But I don't think it's that I'm so nervous because he has a high standard. I'm not going to be able to say, no, if you're that nervous, it's probably a sign you're not supposed to be at that job in general, I think. I mean, but you've you ran, you were the program director of ESPN Houston. We were the fifth biggest market in the country. I mean, in general, do you feel like that really good people, elite people struggled at jobs because they were somehow expected too much of them? No. I don't think so. I, I don't. I, I mean, I most elite people look forward to that. I agree. So in theory, these you were kind of saying though that maybe Belichick's standard was so high that somehow these people got all freaky, all freakily nervous, and that's why they weren't a good head coach. Well, and they, and they wouldn't get a job offer if they didn't have some semblance of success while working for the guy. Well, I got two words: Joe Judge. That's true. Because in truth, he never even coordinated, <laughs> yeah. right? So, all right, we're straight out of Vegas. Abridged weather report, 61 neon is flowing. Let's wrap up Chiefs Bengals. And my thought is the line's gone up from seven to seven and a half. We told you it would. Now, will it go down? That's the question. I think there's a chance of it. I think if you look at the ticket counts right now, now these are the early bets, typically not the bets of the casual fan. They usually bet on game day. So, so far, 78% of the cash and 68% of the tickets have been on the Chiefs. So, you, my thought is that you're going to get more Cincinnati money than you'd expect for a seven or seven and a half point dog. Because I think Joe Burrow is a good story. And the sense was, and I heard someone, I think it was one of the PFF guys, say the following Hey, listen, if I can get seven with Burrow, I'm going to take it. All right, this is a day or two ago. You know what? I can say that square. 
But I'm not sure it is. I think there's something, too. I don't want to lay over a touchdown against Joe Burrow. I think there's a, some appetite for the dog here also. Yeah, I agree. And when we did the pod, I said, if I see seven and a half, I'm certainly going to get interested in the Bengals. No, I, no, no. I, you said you'd make a play on it. So I, at this point, do you want to make an official I, play? I, I, yeah, I think I do want to make it. It doesn't seem like you want to, though. I, I, listen, I, I, it's not something I'm thrilled to do, bet against Patrick Mahomes, the way he's been playing. I, I but think do you want to bet against Joe Burrow? No. That's why I think attacking the total is the way to go in this game. Okay, now, we talked about we like Kansas City team total over. Now the question is, what about the total itself? It's 54.5. What most people, and this is both team scores added up. Now, what most people don't understand is that there are key numbers even in totals. And it's going to be a combination of three and seven, right? Because you usually score in threes and sevens in bunches. So, what are historically key totals? 37, 41, 44, and you can keep extrapolating out. 51 is a key number, and 54 is a key number. Okay, this opened at 51. It's now 54 and a half. You're literally taking the two most key numbers, and if you bet early, 51 would have pushed. Now it's a loss. And now, if you bet over, now at 54 and a half, you're making literally another key number, in this case, a loser, when it could have been a winner. I don't think you can bet the over. It might win. But in the long term, if you're betting over 54 and a half on a game that literally you could have bet at 51, it's hard. Now, listen, there's a difference if information changes, if someone gets hurt, or if there's a fundamental shift in the assumptions of the game, line moves are natural. This is just based on opinion. And if anything, the the only thing that the only news that's come out in that game is that Tyron Matthews is going to play, which should suppress the total. That's a great point. That's a It looks very likely he's going to play. That was meaningful. That moved the needle, and still it's going up, up, up. But something about that Chiefs defense, they're, they're uniquely vulnerable to what Joe Burrow does, and we've talked on this show about him being an elite processor. The Chiefs rush seven and left the, the secondary in one on one. So this was during the Cincy Dur- game. During the regular season. The whole season. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so when a team runs empty, which the Bengals run, which means no running back in the backfield, the Bengals run that more than anyone in the league the second half All of right, the so season. So the Bengals run empty a lot. How has Kansas City done against empty? What they do against it is they rush seven, which and, means they bring the heat and they leave their, their secondary in one on ones. Mm hmm. Not a good thing to do against Joe Burrow. He eats it up. They've they've rushed seven on 13.4% of plays this season. The next closest team did it on 8% of plays. So Kansas City does the zero blitz, as it's called, almost double as much as anyone else. Yes. Burrow is exceptional against that. Yes. And exceptional against all blitzing. McKenzie, pop up the stats on against the five blitzing or the five games against blitzers, as I set it up, is. Let's look at Cincy versus real blitzing teams that blitz a ton. And I'm going to say that is, and I think it's objectively just true, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Kansas City. That's the three teams on the Bengals' schedule that blitz the most. And in those five games versus all the other games, there was a distinct difference. And that difference being, dun, 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 dun. Okay. Is if we look at, did you know, that was me making that sound effect, by the way. It, it wasn't I don't a know computer. You know, it wasn't the computer. Yeah. So I'm just saying. Is the QBR in those games was 75 for Burrow. Now that's something that would have made him number one in the entire league. Okay. His QBR against the non heavy blitzing teams was 46, which makes him below average. 
The distance between that is from the best in the NFL when against the blitzing teams, who are pretty darn good teams. So it's not like bad teams. Against the other teams, he's below average. Now, I think he's taken another step this year. I think against non-blitzing teams, he's not below average anymore. But over the course of the season, he has been. What we know is... What we know is how good Burrow is against the blitzing teams. He killed them. And think about those Steeler games. They dominated Pittsburgh. They dominated Baltimore. And they beat Kansas City. So now it's Kansas City again. I like the over. I just can't like over 54 and a half. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Fox Sports Radio, I'm A.J. Hoffman. He's the voice of Vegas, R.J. Bell. I'm just one voice, but I say more damn buyer. That, in general, is how I approach things, A.J. I know you disagree. No, I don't. Was it, is it personal or you just don't like news in general? Uh... Both. <laughs> okay. I love them. I do. I love them. All right. We're going to take our last break. When we come back, we are going to shift to the next game. And here's the beauty of it. We have talked about a lot of this stuff during the week. We're trying to recap it for you guys and put it into picks. And we're going to have a pick on the spread. The spread. The Not team total. Not total. The spread of Rams 49ers. He's RJ Bell. I'm AJ Hoffman. And this is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports. Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byer. We have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex. Twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened, what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week, we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup. Sit, starts, fantasy football players' rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Harmon and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. Let's jump into the NFC Championship game. The Rams, three-and-a-half-point favorites, hosting the San Francisco 49ers. And we got a spread bet on this game. I've got a prop on this game. you got that too, doubling up, baby. Here's what we know for sure, is that you got to decide how you're going to reconcile Shanahan versus McVay in the history. 6-0 and straight up, 6-0 and against the spread, Shanahan. And this line seems to fly in the face of that. And here's the way to look at it. You could look at it as the following. Starting the year, the 49ers were considered to be about the same team as the Rams. If you actually look at Super Bowl odds, you could say the 49ers were a little bit of a favorite over them. Now, the Rams outperformed the 49ers throughout the season. Why was that? Well, you could say, you know, it was injuries for the 49ers. They had a lot of injuries. They seem to every year, but okay, they had a lot of injuries. Okay, so if these teams are even, or maybe even say the Rams are a little bit better, you could say, oh, those injuries are just an excuse. I mean, my excuses. Let's say the Rams are better by the degree that their record says they were. Then what should the line be in this game? Because with no consideration of Shanahan and McVay's history, just what we've seen this year, 
Well, home field advantage for the Rams is low to start with. Low to start with. So because of that, I think it's a situation that you could say, well, it's low to start with because L.A. doesn't have a good home field and it's in division. Uh, Maybe we'll give it a point and a half. And I think that's being generous. So the line is three and a half. There's no way the Rams this season were two points better. And then we haven't even gotten to the fact that Shanahan's beat him six straight times. And that doesn't feel like a fluke. This line makes no sense to me. Now, that means I could go, I could go with the Rams because I could say the market knows something I don't. I could go with the 49ers. I'm going to officially go with, with the 49ers. Because why? Here's a good lesson for you to take home. If you don't know why a line is a certain way, be scared. There's a hell of a chance there's something you don't know. But if you understand why the line is wrong, be greedy. Embrace it. And I think the line's wrong here because the Rams are L.A. They have a coach that is L.A., that has podcasts, that you know is running into the end zone. They're Hollywood. And they have players that are Hollywood. Who's the most Hollywood defensive players in the league? And I'm not saying in any way, because I might be in the same room as him one day. Aaron Donald is like cheesy or anything. I'm saying the guy's known. Everyone knows he's the multiple time defensive player of the year. He's known. He's known in all five boroughs. <laughs> and Ramsey, probably the second most known defender. He's up there. Is it interesting? You had two of the most known defenders on one side. Von Miller's not way far behind those guys. <laughs> and then you traded for Von Miller. You got OBJ. All these additions, I'm not sure how much they meant. Though Von Miller really played well last week. Let's give him credit is to me is it kind of makes sense that people are forgetting about the 6 and 0 and focusing on here's that 49ers team that barely made the playoffs versus a Rams team that's Hollywood this line makes sense i think a lot of that's crap to me best bet on the spread this weekend 49ers first do you agree with that uh, i'm i'm passing on this game really yeah one of the things that you said is the line you think the line is wrong it also seems like this is the time of year where the lines would be the absolute sharpest, right? And why are we playing? It's scary. This is the t- see. I disagree. This is the time of year the lines are sharpest, except for if the public gets involved. And this is the time where the public bias means the most because a greater percentage of the overall betting is public betting. Conference championship games is the second most behind the Super Bowl where the public gets involved the most. And thus, if there's a bias in the public's eyes, it's going to show in the line. Why else would the line be the Rams? What's your case for the Rams? Uh, the quarterback play. I feel like they've got a, a, such a huge advantage at quarterback the way Stafford's playing versus the way Garoppolo's played recently that I can't overlook it. And I don't know that Garoppolo's so fully So the fact that yet. just five or six games ago, Stafford looked horrible and Garoppolo looked fine before his injury that he's not recovered from, you just ignore that. I don't know that You're he's just, recovered from it. I haven't well, seen him play a game recovered from it. That's where the expertise comes in. You got a prop. Do that first. I do. Cam Akers, Rams running back, under 61 and a half rushing yards. They bell cowed him last week and it was a Huge mistake. Two yards per carry. Two fumbles. He's he's had a 40 PFF grade since he's returned. Two and a half yards per carry. I don't think they're going to use him in that bell cow mode anymore. They've got a perfectly viable Sony Michelle to give carries to. So under 61 and a half rushing yards for Cam Akers. I have an opinion on this. First, I agree with his under and Akers. I, didn't I come up with this on the podcast? I think you did. No, actually AJ <laughs> did. And I liked it so much. I said I wanted it. I like it though. You know why? 
one, he's been hurt, right? And he came back and looked good in that second game. But, man, it's an Achilles. But, number two, he fumbled so much. Who knows what kind of usage last week? Who knows what kind of usage he's going to get? When people come back from injury, they tend to fumble because they're thinking about other things than the ball. I don't think he gets many carries. I like under. So, we got 49ers. We like since or the KC Chiefs team total over and Akers under. Yeah, a bad matchup with the Niners defense as well. If you missed any of today's show, including. We went over both games. You know, we didn't have enough time to include everything. That's why we had the rest of the week. Don't not tune in next week. Check out today and the rest of the week on the podcast at FoxSportsRadio.com. We're going to be back on Monday, 6 Eastern, 3 o'clock Vegas time. He's RJ Bell. I'm AJ Helping. We are straight out of Vegas right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas!